Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, how many know it's often said that truth is stranger than fiction? Truth is stranger than fiction. And there is no stranger text, I don't think, uh, in the book of Daniel. We've had some strange ones. But there is a very strange text that we're going to look at today in Daniel chapter 4. It's really one of the weirdest episodes uh, in the book of Daniel. It's a strange episode even in the Bible. Uh, and what's interesting is, is Daniel chapter 4, uh, the author of Daniel chapter 4, that specific chapter, is Nebuchadnezzar himself. It's the, the only time where we have a, a Gentile pagan king who's actually been inspired to write and his writings included in Scripture. And uh, so we look at this, Daniel chapter 4, starting in verse 1. We're going to dive in and spend our time in Daniel chapter 4 today. And, uh, and it, it says this, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and then this is how it's, it's titled, King Nebuchadnezzar, comma, like he's writing a letter, uh, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth. May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell about the miraculous signs and wonders of the Most High God has performed for me. That the Most High God has performed for me. How great are His signs and how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom and His dominion endures from generation to generation. I don't know about you, but isn't that, isn't that awesome? That's just the opening. That's the opening. What is the opening? What is this opening? What is this State of the Union address? So in the United States, we have a State of the Union address every year in, in which the uh, president gets up and addresses the nation. That's basically what this is. King Nebuchadnezzar is addressing the nation. He has something that has happened in his life that has so dramatically impacted him and changed him that he wants everybody in his kingdom to know. And so he's writing this letter to everybody. And what's remarkable is, is what we're about to read is his personal story, personal testimony, personal fall from grace. And a theme throughout chapter 4 is the theme of pride. Pride. Do you know that one of the most destructive forces in all the universe is pride? King Solomon wrote in, 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 in Proverbs 16, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And we're going to see pride in its, in its best right here. I don't know about you. You might say, well, I don't struggle with pride. I'm going to tell you something. Pride is the, the only disease known to mankind in which everybody is sick except the person who has it. <laughs> Case in point, 40 years ago, you might remember this. 40 years ago in 1971, there was a historic fight, if you, if you like boxing, a historic fight, boxing match, uh, fight of the century it was called, between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. And uh, before the fight, Muhammad Ali, he was all pumped up, he was all full of pride, and he said these words, there seems to be some confusion. And we're going uh, to clear it up, the confusion, on March 8th. We're going to decide once and for all who's the king. He says, there's not a man alive who can whoop me. I'm too smart. I'm too pretty. I'm the greatest. I'm the king. I should be on a postage stamp because that's the only way I could ever get licked. <laughs> Except that Joe Frazier licked him. <laughs> right? 
Pride is the oldest sin. It's the oldest sin in the universe. It, it, it shows signs of we, no signs of weakening uh, with age. In fact, it was something that we see right in the very beginning in Genesis that, that, that caught Adam and Eve off, off guard and what dislodged them out of the Garden of Eden. It's what's about to dislodge Nebuchadnezzar as king of Babylon. C.S. Lewis called it this. He said, the chief cause of misery for every nation and every family since the beginning of time. That's what he called pride. C.S. Lewis said that. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to get this message out because this was something that he had struggled with throughout his life as we're going to see. But it was also something that he discovered that God took him through a journey, took him through something in his life that wasn't, wasn't so great in his life, but got his attention, and he wanted the world to know when he came to his senses what it was all about. And so after, this is written after the event occurs, so we're talking about an eight-year time frame of the story we're about to read about takes place over about a period of eight years, and Nebuchadnezzar is now writing this after that, that eight-year time as he sits down, he's back in his right mind, and we're going to figure out what that's all about. And he begins with praise, and he begins his story following praise. Here's how his story begins. So let's jump back into it in verse four. This is where he begins to tell what happened to him. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. And I had a dream that made me afraid. Does that sound familiar? As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded all the wise men of Babylon to be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. Sound familiar? When the magicians and enchanters and astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Doesn't this, this just seems to me like deja vu, right? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Daniel chapter 2. And if you remember in Daniel chapter 2, what happened? In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar was, was disturbed and stressed out and worried about his kingdom and worried about what was going on and worried about what was happening. And he was, he was just all, he was all stressed out about it, right? He was just all stressed out about it in Daniel chapter 2. And he had that dream and he called in who? Called in the astrologers and the magicians and all the wise men of Babylon. And, and at that point he told him, listen, I'm not going to tell you the, the, the dream. I want you to tell me the dream and then the interpretation. And what happened? Same thing, they failed. Now, here we are, years and years later. In fact, a little bit of history. This is about 25 to 30 years that have passed between chapter 3 that we were in last week with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, the fiery furnace. 25 to 30 years has now passed. And if you remember at that point, there had been a period of time since chapter 2 that had happened before that, that took place. So, so we're talking about 45 years. There's about a 16-year gap between chapter 2 and chapter 3. You added that 25 to 30 years, and you're at about 45 years. So 45 years later, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And what does he do? He goes back to the same old ways. Right? The same old ways. As you, as you take a look at this, you, you might think, what in the world is going on? But if we follow Nebuchadnezzar's spiritual journey so far, here, here's what you're going to find with, with Nebuchadnezzar. You'd see that he was challenged. You'd see that he was moved. You'd see that he was Im impressed by the episodes that took place in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 3. So he has the dream and Daniel gives him the dream and the interpretation. And, and, he, and, and at that point, he falls at the end. There's no God like your God, right? 
And then we see 16 years later, he, he, here he is again, struggling. I'm the man. I'm the man. Here, I'm going to make an image of gold. Everybody's going to bow down and worship. My king is the greatest, right? And if you don't worship, you're going to be in the fiery furnace. And what happens? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're not bowing down. Our God is able to rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to you. And what happened? He threw him in the fiery furnace. And he looks in. What? And he goes, whoa, I, I see four in the fire. Didn't we throw three in there? And one of them looks like the, the sons of the gods, right? Call them out. And when he called them out, they, they weren't harmed. There was nothing. Only the ropes that he had bound them with were the only things that had been burned. Even their clothes had not been singed and they didn't even smell of fire. And he, oh, wow, God, right? I mean, all of that. He has been wowed. He has been moved. He's been impressed. He's been challenged. But friends, how many know you can be challenged and not be changed? You can be moved, but not motivated. You can be impressed, but not pressed to do anything about it. And friends, I'm going to tell you that there are some of you probably in this room. There are some of you watching online. There are some of you that have people that you know that God has moved in their life. God has done things in their life. And they stop and they go, wow, oh boy, yes, I believe in God. Wow, God is good. But nothing has ever changed. That's what's happening with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has had encounters with God. Encounters that have moved him to acknowledge God, but not be changed by God. You can have encounters to acknowledge God and not be changed by him. And that's what's happened in Nebuchadnezzar's life. Because over and over again, he's got a reoccurring problem. And it's a problem of pride. Over and over again, he consistently moves back and drifts back to this area of pride. Today we look at this dream and we're going to see the main issue holding Nebuchadnezzar back, as I said, was pride. And it led to his fall and it led to a breakdown. And in Daniel chapter 4, 9 to 18, the king relays the dream. And I don't have time to read through the entire dream, so let me summarize it for you. Here's a synopsis. In short, there's an enormous tree that grows up in his dream. Enormous tree that grows up and it provides shade and it provides food and it provides protection from the heat and, and shelter for all. And a messenger from heaven came and announced that this tree that has grown up, that has provided all of this should be cut down. And he announced that it should be cut down, stripped of all of its branches and only the stump and the roots remain. And if that was not enough, the image suddenly changes to that of a man whose mind is changed to that of an animal. And the man will roam and be covered by the dew for a period of about seven years. And the king then, when all of the astrologers and magicians, again, all of the worldly wisdom and the worldly ways, don't we oftentimes go to that? I got a problem. I'm going to go seek the world first before seeking God. I'm going to seek the world's ways before seeking God. Same pattern. We fall into it. Daniel, or Nebuchadnezzar goes, you know what? They all failed. Let me go to, you know, Daniel. <laughs> hey, Daniel, can you come in? Daniel, can you, can you give me the interpretation? And at first, Daniel hesitates. He, he hesitates. He hesitates not because he does not know the interpretation, but because he understands what the interpretation means. And he has come to love Nebuchadnezzar. As, as strange and as brutal and as harsh and as, as, as prideful as Nebuchadnezzar can be full of pride, 
Daniel has really come to love Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has become someone that he cares about. And you, and you see that in his response. He, he hesitates because he knows what it means. Verse 19, then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, my Lord, if only the dream, look at this, applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. I wish this was for somebody else. I wish this wasn't for you. I, I really, I wish this was for somebody else. Why? Because he cared about him. Over the years, he cared about him. And Daniel's response, not being quick, shows that, that he, he, he had to deliver bad news and he didn't want to do it. Nevertheless, the king wanted him to. And so Daniel delivers the interpretation. And in verses 20 to 23, Daniel explains that the, the tree in the dream is, is, is that God has raised up Nebuchadnezzar in the, in the kingdom of Babylon. That's been God's thing. God has raised him up and, and that kingdom has grown. And as it was, it was the largest kingdom in the known world. It was, it was the kingdom. They were the powerhouse. They were the, they were the kingdom and it had grown up and it had provided shelter and it had provided protection. Protection, and it had provided shade and it had provided food for people all over the place and it had grown up God had raised it up but then the messenger announced that the the tree could be cut down and so Daniel continues and let's read in verse 24 this is the interpretation your majesty this is the decree the most high has issued against my lord the king you will be driven away from people and will live in the wild Live, in the wild, live with the wild animals, excuse me. You will eat grass like an ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree and its roots means that your kingdom will be restored when you acknowledge that heaven rules. See, Nebuchadnezzar's problem was that he had never truly acknowledged that God was the source. He had never truly acknowledged that all that had happened and all of his success and all of his power were given to him by God, but that God was the ultimate power. He had, he had, he had not acknowledged that. He, he, he continued to see himself as the source of his success. He continued to see himself as the source of his power. He continued to see himself as the source for every nation. Look what I have done. Look who I am. And over and over again, God had proven to him that God was more powerful. But over and over again, he continued to drift back into seeing himself as the source. And Nebuchadnezzar, God said, judgment is coming. Because of your pride, judgment is coming. Now I want to skip ahead for a moment and then we'll work our way backward. Daniel chapter 4, 29 and 30 says this, 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is this, uh, is this, or is not this, excuse me, the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. You see the pomp? You see the pride? I did this. I did this. I did this. This is because of me. I did this. I did this. I did this. Pride. And Babylon was a great city. Babylon was beautiful. If you remember, it was the city of gold. 
It was the city of gold. Babylon was magnificent, probably the, the most magnificent and the largest city of the ancient world in that time. Historians tell us that Babylon, that the walls of Babylon themselves were 355 feet high, high, and 60 miles in circumference. And, and they were guard, there were guard stations and towers posted every 45 to 46 feet along the circumference of the wall. And a Greek historian, Herodotus, tells us that the walls were 85 feet thick. That that's the size of a six-lane highway. They used to have chariot races on the walls to go around the walls of Babylon. That's how large they were. And, and walls indicated power. Walls indicated fortification. Walls indicated that you're, not, you're an enemy, but you're not getting through. And they, they, they represented power. And, and, and on top of that, besides that, one of the seven wonders of the ancient worlds are the, the gardens of Babylon, the hanging gardens. And they were right in the middle of town. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar history tells us that Nebuchadnezzar married a wife by the name of Amethyst, who was, uh, it lived in the mountains previous. And, and Babylon was down in the plains, and she missed the mountains. She missed the beauty of the mountains. So he brought the mountains to her and created the, the hanging gardens of Babylon, which were absolutely beautiful, so beautiful that they years later, uh, or Alexander the Great, 200 years later, planned on moving his capital of his kingdom to Babylon because of how beautiful it was. 200 years later. The problem was that Nebuchadnezzar admired these things and saw himself as the source of these things. He didn't acknowledge God. Instead, he declared, these were done by my power and my might. And Daniel chapter 4, starting in verse 31, tells us what happened. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox. Seven times will pass by until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And look at this word, immediately. Immediately. Like a thief in the night, immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched in the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. He, he looked like a half animal, half man, drenched in the dew. He, could we pause for a moment? Because you might say, well, this is just a fairy tale. Is this really true? Historians, historians, non-biblical historians, historians who write history, write about this. They actually talk about this. They said this actually happened to Nebuchadnezzar, that he, he lost everything. He became homeless. He became insane. He, he acted like an animal. He, he, he was covered in the dew. He went from having it all. He went from being at the top, the top, the top, the top, and having it all to losing it all in a moment. How, how does that happen? I want to I go back for a moment because I want to I explore this a little bit because you know what? You and I can have a spiritual breakdown. You and I can be in danger of a fall. Be, be careful because to, to think you stand, Scripture says, to think lest you stand, that you fall. Pride is a sickness that impacts all of us, and at any moment we can find ourselves 
at a place of a fall if we're not careful. So let's learn from Nebuchadnezzar. What, what, what happened? What were, what were some of the causes of Nebuchadnezzar's fall? Well, the first one that I see is, is, is when we, we, we experience a spiritual breakdown and a fall when we get comfortable and complacent with success. You know, it's one thing when we're struggling, when we're going through a difficult time, when, when, when things are really hard. Because you know what? When things get hard, when things are a struggle, you know what we do? We press in. We pray, oh God, help me. I don't know what to do. This is terrible. How did this happen? I don't understand. We pray, we press in. When things start to, when the bottom falls out, we get on our knees and we're like, God, I need help, right? But let things start to get better. Things start to get better. Things start to, God starts to bless. You, you, you start to see some things happen and things are a little more comfortable and problems aren't as much and, and you know, life is good, relationship are good, marriage is good, work is good, family is good, money's not tight, I, I got this, I got that. Guess we get, start to get a little fat, don't we? We start to get a little complacent. We start to think, oh, I'm okay. And then we start to, you know, wow, man, I'm pretty good at this, man. I'm pretty good at my job. Look how much money I brought in today. I'm pretty good at this. Huh? And, 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 and pride can begin to swell up. We, we can begin to, 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 to have pride and complacency creep in. Uh, in. In Daniel chapter 4 and verse 4, let's go back to it a moment. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace. Look what it says, contented and prosperous. Contented and prosperous. You see, the problem can begin. The beginning of the fall is not at the place where we actually fall. It actually starts before that. When we start getting content, when we start getting ourselves content and we feel good and happy and prosperous and, whoa, this is great. I'm in a good place. Good things are happening. I'm not saying that we can't live in blessing, but I'm saying you've got to guard when you're in that place. You can't lose your spiritual fervor. You can't lose the desire to seek and to pray and depend upon the Lord. You can't stop your dependency on Christ. You see, faith is dependency on Christ. And when you stop trusting in Christ and you start trusting in yourself, you've removed faith from the picture and you've transferred faith from, from the Lord onto your own success, your own power, your own pride, your own, your own uh, uh, abilities. Your own talents. You, you, you move it away and, and you stop seeking the Lord. You got to be careful in that place of complacency. 45 years earlier, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't comfortable. He had had success, but he was worried about his kingdom. And God gave him a dream and said, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, here's the dream. And I'm going to reveal the future to you. But time had passed and the head of gold had not transferred over to, to the Medes and the Persians. Things had only gotten better. He got comfortable. So let's make an image of gold, right? Everybody will bow down to it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we will not. God revealed himself again. I am the source. I am the one in charge. Nebuchadnezzar, almighty God. Well, we'll get comfortable and complacent again. 16 years later. We're back in the same place again. 16 years later. See, Nebuchadnezzar was wowed by God, but it wasn't enough. Time passed. His kingdom remained strong. And then following the dream, what did we read? Daniel gives him some things. Daniel tells him some things. Here, here's the dream. God's saying, I'm warning you. This is a problem. This is going to happen. And Daniel gives him some things to do. And what does it say? 12 months pass. 
time passes. Why? I'm prosperous. And Daniel 4.30, is not this the great Babylon I have built (laughs) as a royal residence by my power for the glory of my majesty? Friends, you got to be careful when you're feeling comfortable. You got to be careful when you're feeling complacent because that's the beginning of spiritual breakdown. That's the beginning of a spiritual fall when you think you stand. That, that's the beginning. You see, pride came into the picture when Nebuchadnezzar was comfortable and complacent. About a thousand years before uh, all of this, there's an event that takes place. Moses said the same thing to the Jews. They had suffered for 400 years in slavery out of Egypt. And, and they, he, God brought them out. Miraculously, they wandered 40 years in the wilderness where they were tested by God. And, and for generations, they had been tested. And they're about ready to enter the promised land. Moses is about ready to pass away. But Moses gives this advice. And what we're going to find is Moses is more concerned, not about the slavery they were in or the wandering in the wilderness. What Moses is more concerned about is what happens when they get in the promised land, when they experience the success of the promised land. And in and, and, and verse Deuteronomy 8, 2, Moses declares this, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. And if you remember in the wilderness, what did God do? He allowed them to get hungry and then he provided and was the source and, and provided for them. When they got thirsty and he, he led them to a place where they got thirsty, he, he miraculously provided water from a rock. God provided for them and, and guide the, guided them and led them. God led them to a place where, where he would show himself on the mountain strong. When they were attacked by their enemies, God showed them that he would be their source and he would be their victory. See, all of this happened in the wilderness. And Moses says, whoa, 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 remember what God did. Remember how he tested you. Why is that so important? Because then Moses says this a few verses later, Deuteronomy 8, 10 to 14. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. But be careful, be careful that you do not forget that the Lord your God not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe the commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, look at this, you will eat and are satisfied. And when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, here's what you need to be careful of, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses says, hold on, when you're being tested, when you're, when you're being tested, yeah, there are some things there, there's temptations there, but that usually causes you to call on the Lord because you're in need of him. But I'm more worried that you will forget that God is the one who brought you into this land, that God is the one that provided for you, that God is the one that gave you all of this. And in your prosperity, be careful, be careful not to forget the Lord your God and what he did and allow pride to well up and I I've done this and turn away from the Lord. The power. He was saying, be careful. For us, for Nebuchadnezzar, oftentimes we stumble to be humble when we're in a place where we're content and prosperous. Secondly, we experience spiritual breakdown when we don't pay attention to warning signs. When we don't pay attention to warning signs. God had clearly warned Nebuchadnezzar 
This was a dream of warning. He gave him 12 months, but he clearly warned Nebuchadnezzar in this dream. And Daniel interpreted the dream and he said, King, this this is going to happen, but you can avoid it. You can avoid it. You can avoid this massive, embarrassing moment in your career. You can avoid this fall. You can stop forgetting God. You can do the right thing. God is warning you. Here's the question. What are the warning signs in your life? What has God been using as warning signs in your life that you've been ignoring? What are the the warning signs that have gotten you off track? Some of us, we don't even know what they are. Some of us, we do. We know we've been warned. We know that we're, we, we're, we're escaping. Perhaps it's continued conflict in a relationship. Perhaps it's repeated chaos in your life. These things just keep happening, and you find yourself in this, this cycle, and God keeps warning you, and you just, you just aren't getting it. Near misses where, where maybe God's mercy stepped in. It should have been worse, but it wasn't because God's mercy stepped in and he gave you more time and he's warning you, will you get right? Perhaps people in your life that care about you keep coming to you and saying, listen, you're headed for destruction. Hey, you're headed for destruction. Daniel cared about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, you're headed for destruction. Hey, here's what Daniel's advice was. Verse 27, therefore your majesty Be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Clearly what Daniel is saying is it doesn't have to be this way, king. You can avoid this. There's a warning. It doesn't have to be this way. And what advice did he give him? He said, repent. Repent. Renounce your sin. Turn. Repent. Change your mind. That's what the Greek for repent is, is, is metanoia. Meta meaning change, and, and, and noia meaning mind. Change your mind. Change the way you think. Don't, don't fall after the pattern of this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the way Paul said it. Repent means acknowledging and admitting, taking ownership. I'm headed in the wrong direction, and I need to turn back towards God. It's not just I'm sorry. And the second thing he told him is, listen, you need to start paying more attention to the oppressed to the poor. Why? Because you get your eyes off yourself and you start to, to meet needs around you and it gets your eyes off yourself and you begin to realize all the need. You're seeing all the beauty of Babylon, but there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on in Babylon that ain't so good. You need to get your eyes off of yourself, put your eyes and start to serve others. Listen, when you serve others, it will do something in you. It'll do something in you. Proverbs 14, 31, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Do you know that when you serve the poor, when you're kind to the needy, when you're kind to those that are oppressed, it oppressed, it honors God. It honors God. Because this is all about honoring God. Nebuchadnezzar ignored the warning signs. Thirdly, he put off doing what he knew was right. A third cause of spiritual breakdown is when you put off doing what you know is right. You put it off. Daniel 4, 29, 12 months later, as, Daniel was, or as, as the king was walking on the roof of the palace of Babylon, 12 months later, he had his dream, right? It terrified him. Daniel gives him the interpretation. It's about him. You're going to fall. But king, here's what you can do. And you know what? Month one went by, he didn't do anything. Month two went by, and he didn't do anything. Month three went by, and he didn't do anything. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Nothing. Twelve. 
You, you want to know a cause to spiritual breakdown? You ignore warning signs and you put off doing what you know is right. You think that you're above it. Not going to happen to me. Must not going to be. Didn't happen. Must not going to be. It didn't happen right away. Why doesn't it happen right away? Why didn't God do it right away? Because that's not God's way. <laughs> that, that's not God's way. Listen. God's way is this, throughout the Bible, warnings of, of judgment, if we do not repent for our sins and surrender to Jesus, are there. There are warning signs. You say, where are the warning signs? There's warning signs all throughout Scripture. They are there. Why does God give us warning signs, and why does God give us time? Because that is God's way. God, God's way is to, to, to not let judgment, He doesn't want judgment to come to pass. God is all about mercy, friends. He's all about M-E-R-C-Y, mercy. Mercy. He was being merciful. He was being merciful. It's the same reason that God waited 400 years before bringing judgment on the Amorites and bringing the children of Israel into their land. It's the same reason why God waited 120 years after Noah had preached to an ungodly civilization. Meanwhile, building an ark, building a, a, a vessel of salvation from a judgment that was to come. There, big for everybody to see and warn them 120 years. That's mercy. But they put off doing what they knew was right and they missed the boat. Friends, you will miss the boat if you put off doing what you know is right. Salvation is right in front of you. The warnings in Scripture are right in front of you. Get right with the Lord. Don't wait till tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow. Jonah gave Nineveh 40 days. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's what he was preaching. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 days. Why? Peter tells us. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God doesn't want you to face judgment. God has provided salvation through Jesus Christ, and he desires for you to repent and turn to him because he promises you eternal life. But if not, friends, 2 second, second, Peter 3.10. We love 3.9. You know, God's slow, right? But here's 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed like a thief. You don't know the day. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't given the exact day. He was given a warning, but he didn't get right in month one, and he didn't get right in month two, or month three, or month four, or month five, or month six, or month seven, or month eight, or month eight, nine, ten, or eleven, and in month twelve, guess what? Immediately, the judgment came to pass. Immediately. When you get content, and you get prosperous, and you're contented, sets you up but warning signs God gives warning signs God gives you time he is patient but don't put off doing what is right don't delay don't wait oh but you know God is so good isn't he in this chapter I love it <coughs> excuse me because it shows God's love and mercy for Nebuchadnezzar you remember the dream what the dream say It'll be, the tree will be cut, but what's going to be left? A stump and the roots. And, and although, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to fall, and I'm going to humble you. Listen, there's a way to restoration. 
There's a way to restoration. Daniel 4.26, the command to leave the, the stump of the tree with its roots means your kingdom will be restored to you. But what, what, with the when, when you acknowledge that heaven rules, when you acknowledge the heaven rules. So I, I want to close real quick with three steps to restoration. Three steps to restoration, because God wants to restore you. So if you've fallen, if you've fallen, if you haven't, and God's judgment has come, if you haven't repented, if you haven't turned to the Lord, it, it, it is not over for you. It is not over because God wants you. What do you got to do? Well, what did, ne- what did old Nebuchadnezzar do? Well, the first thing Nebuchadnezzar did was he looked up. He looked up. Daniel four thirty four. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. He looked up. Friends, it begins with looking up. Literally, the Hebrew here is he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Some of you need to do that today. Today is the day. Some of you watching online, you need to do that. You need to start looking up to heaven. Today's the day. You got to look up to heaven. Today is the day to look up. It begins when we begin to look up, when we begin to acknowledge, you know what? Everything in my life is wrong and I need you. Everything in my life has come from you. I'm going to begin to look up and acknowledge the God of heaven. I've got to begin to look up. Some of you today need to begin to look up. You've got to begin to look up. You've got to refocus your attention on God, not looking to anything or anybody else. Sometimes, friends, God's got to lay you on your back to get you to look up. He's got to knock you flat on your back to get you to look up. That's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Knocked flat on his back seven years, seven seasons, seven years had to pass before he finally looked up and acknowledged the God of heaven. Friends, I don't know how long it's been for you, but friends, it is time to look up to God. The second thing he did is he woke up. I'm not going to say he got woke. All right, that's not politically correct today. It's a matter of what you get woke to. What did he wake up to? He woke up to the greatness of God. Friends, some of you got to wake up to the greatness of God. It says, at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. My sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is eternal, an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar finally looking up going, you know what? It's not about my kingdom. It's about your kingdom. It's not about my success, but it's about your glory. He woke up to God's glory. It's about your glory. It's not about me, but it's about you. It's about what you want to do to every nation and every tribe. I'm simply a conduit of what you want to do in and through me, not for me, not to elevate me, but through me. Friends, it's not about you. It's not about your success. It's not about your money. It's not about your career. It's not about your standing or your stature or your reputation. It's all about his glory. And it's about time we started waking up that it's not about us, but it's about him it's about time we wake up god is about you it is about your glory and your glory alone we gotta look up and we gotta wake up to about whose kingdom it's really about whose kingdom thirdly you gotta speak up you gotta speak up nebuchadnezzar what do you do after all of this happened after all this happened what do you do I'm going to write a letter to everybody in my kingdom. And I'm going to give my testimony. I'm going to give my testimony. I, Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I got a letter for you. 
I got a story to tell. And you know what? I have been the king. I have been the king. I have been the man. I have been. The part of humbling myself is I'm going to tell you what I have not been. What I've not been is humble. And because I did not humble myself, because I thought I was everything in a bag of chips, I fell and I fell hard and I lost my mind. I became insane. I became like an animal, animal instincts. I became doing things that I, I, I never, I lost everything because of my pride. But guess what? There is a God of mercy and there is a God who restores. And let me tell you about this God. And let me tell you about what he did for me. And let me tell you what he can do for you. Let me speak up. Friends, you got to look up and you got to wake up. And when you wake up and you look up, God does something in you. You got to speak up. You got to share your testimony. Some of us haven't shared our faith with anybody in the last year, in the last couple of years. Some of you have been so quiet about your faith, you haven't told anybody what God has done in your life. And maybe that's because he hasn't done anything in your life in a while. Maybe you've been sitting comfortable, content, and prosperous thinking, well, I'm okay. I've been in this church for years. Bless the Lord. I remember the good old days. Been a while since God's spirit has poured out on me. But I had it back then. What's God doing for you today? Some of us are so full of pride. We're so content. We're ignoring warning signs. And God says, look up. Wake up. And speak up. And speak up. Friends, our testimony is powerful. When God does something in your life, don't be afraid to tell others what he's done. But speak up and let everybody know the difference that Jesus makes in my life. The difference that Jesus makes in my life. Friends, we're going to close it. Nebuchadnezzar struggled with pride. In some ways, we all struggle with pride. He struggled with a continual sin. Maybe you got a continual sin. Keeps coming up in your life over and over. Maybe you've encountered God like Nebuchadnezzar. He had encounters with God, but it didn't change him. Friends, let today be the day of change. Let today be the day that you repent. Let today be the day. Don't let the warning signs pass. Don't delay doing what you know is right. Today is the day to look up. Today is the day to wake up to his glory. And today is the day to allow God to impact your life so that you can speak up for him. Today is the day. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads today. If you're here today and maybe you need to wake up, maybe you need to look up, maybe today's the day that you need to repent. God has been warning you and you know you're not right with God. You know you haven't given your life to him. You know you're not right with Jesus. You know you need his salvation. You know there are things in your life that need to change, things in your life that you need to repent of. And today is the day of salvation. Don't delay. Don't put off doing what you know is right. If that's you today and you need to get right with God, maybe give your life to him for the first time. Maybe recommit your life and get things right. Maybe repent today. Will you slip up your hand and say, Pastor, Will you pray for me? I need to get right with God. Pastor, that's me. I need to get things right with the Lord today. Maybe you're watching online. Will you let us know in the comments? I got to look up. I got to look up, man. That's the first step of humility. It's just acknowledging I've got to look up. That's the first step is your willingness to say, that's me. That's me. I got to get right with God. I got some things that got to change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray right now. Will you just pray with me right now? Can we just begin to acknowledge 
who God is today and begin to look up to Him and allow Him to do something in our lives today. Father, we just come to You today, right now, and God, we just acknowledge that You are God. We acknowledge that You are the King. We acknowledge that You are on the throne, that You are in control, not us. We humble ourselves today and we ask You, Lord, to forgive us of our pride and forgive us of our sin. We heed your warning today. We repent today, oh God. We call out to you and we repent. God, forgive us. Forgive us. We turn to you. We humble ourselves before you. We cry out to you. Change us. Change us. Yours is the glory and the honor. Change us, oh God. We look up. Change us. We wake up. Change us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to speak up to share with somebody our faith, to share with somebody our testimony, to speak up and let them know what God has done in our lives, what you have done, Jesus, in our lives. Father, use our testimony to impact someone else today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information, about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.